Chapter Ten of the Spanish Brothers by Deborah Alcock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Ten, Dolores. O hearts that break and give no signs, a whitening lip and fading tresses, till death pours out his cordial wine, slow dropped from misery's crushing presses. If singing breath or echoing chord to every hidden pang were given. What endless melodies were poured, as sad as earth, as sweet as heaven. O. W. Holmes A great modern poet has compared the soul of man to a pilgrim, who passes through the world staff in hand, never resting, ever pressing onwards to some point as yet attained, ever sighing wearily, Alas, that there is never here, and with deep significance adds his Christian commentator, In Christ, there is here he who has found christ is already at the goal for he stills our innermost fears and fulfils our utmost longings in him the dry land the mirage of the desert becomes living water he who knows him knows the reason of all things passing along all the ages we might gather from the silent lips of the dead such words as these bearing emphatic witness to what human hearts have found in him. Yet, after all, we would come back to his own grand and simple words as best expressing the truth. I am the bread of life. I will give you rest. In me ye shall have peace. With the peace which he gave there came to Carlos a strange new knowledge also. The testament from its first page to its last became intelligible to him. From a mere sketch, partly dim and partly blurred and blotted, it grew into a transparency through which light shone upon his soul, every word being itself a star. He often read his book to Dolores, although he allowed her to suppose it was Latin, and that he was improvising a translation for her benefit. She would listen attentively, though with a deeper shade of sadness on her melancholy face. Never did she volunteer an observation, but she always thanked him at the end in her usual respectful manner. These readings were, in fact, trouble to Dolores. They gave her pain, like the sharp throbs that accompany the first return of consciousness to a frozen member, for they awakened feelings that had long been dormant and that she thought were dead forever. But on the other hand, she was gratified by the condescension of her young master in reading aloud for her edification. She had gone through the world giving very largely out of her own loving heart, and expecting little or nothing in return. She would most gladly have laid down her life for Don Carlos or Don Juan, Yet she did not imagine that the old servant of the house could be to them much more than one of the oak tables or the carved chairs. That Senor Don Carlos should take such thought for her and trouble himself to do her good thrilled her with a sensation more like joy than any she had known for years. Little do those whose cups are so full of human love that they carry them carelessly, spilling many a precious drop as they pass along, dream how others cherish the few poor leaves and remnants left to them. Moreover, Carlos, in the eyes of Dolores, was half a priest already, and this lent additional weight and even sacredness to all that he said and did. One evening he had been reading to her in the inner room by the light of the little silver lamp. He had just finished the story of Lazarus, and he made some remark on the grateful love of Mary and the costly sacrifice by which she proved it. Tears gathered in the dark, wistful eyes of Dolores, and she said with sudden, and for her most unusual energy, "'That was small wonder.' Any one would do as much for him that brought the dear dead back from the grave. He has done a greater thing than even that for each of us, said Carlos. 
But Dolores withdrew into her ordinary self again, as some timid creature might shrink into its shell from a touch. I thank your excellency, she said, rising to withdraw. And I also make my acknowledgments to Our Lady, who has inspired you with such true piety suitable to your holy calling. Stay a little, Dolores, said Carlos, as a sudden thought occurred to him. I marvel it has so seldom come into my mind to ask you about my mother. I, senor? When you were both children, I used to wonder that you and Don Juan, while you talked often together of my lord, your father, had scarce a thought at all of your lady mother. Yet if she had lived, you would have been her favorite, senor. And Juan, my father's, said Carlos, not without a slight pang of jealousy. Was my noble father, then, more like what my brother is? Yes, senor. He was bold and brave. No offense to your excellency, for one you love, I warrant me, you could be brave enough. But he loved his sword, and his lance, and his good steed. Moreover, he loved travel and adventure greatly, and never could bear to abide long in the same place. Did he not make a voyage to the Indies in his youth? He did, and then he fought under the emperor, both in Italy and in Africa against the Moors. Once his imperial majesty sent him on some errand to Leon, and there he first met my lady. Afterwards he crossed the mountains to our home and wooed and won her. He brought her the fairest young bride eyes could rest on, to Seville, where he had a stately palace on the Alameda. You must have grieved to leave your mountains for the southern city. No, senor, I did not grieve. Wherever your lady mother dwelt was home to me. Besides, a great grief kills all the rest. Then you had known sorrow before. I thought you lived with our house from your childhood. Not altogether, though my mother nursed yours and we slept in the same cradle and as we grew older shared each other's place. At seven years old I went home to my father and mother, who were honest, well-to-do people, like all my forebears. Good old Christians, and noble. They could wear their caps in the presence of his Catholic majesty. They had no girl but me, so they would fain have me ever in their sight. For ten years and more I was the light of their eyes, and no blither less ever led the goats to the mountain in summer, or spun wool and roasted chestnuts at the winter fire. But the year of the bad fever, both were stricken. Christmas morning, with the bells for early mass ringing in my ears, I closed my father's eyes, and three days afterwards set the last kiss on my mother's cold lips, nigh upon five and twenty years ago, but it seems like yesterday. Folks say there are many good things in the world, but I have known none so good as the love of father and mother. Ay de mi, senor, you never knew either. When your parents died, did you return to my mother? For half a year I stayed with my brother. Though no daughter ever shed truer tears over the grave of better parents, I was not then quite broken-hearted. There was another love to whisper hope and to keep me from desolation. He, Alfonso, this years and years since I uttered the name save in my prayers, had gone to the war, telling me he would come back and claim me for his bride. So I watched for him hour by hour, and toiled and spun, and spun and toiled, that I might not go home to him empty-handed. But at last a lad from our parish, who had been a comrade of his, returned and told me all. He was lying on the bloody field of Marignano, with a French bullet in his heart. Senor, the sisters you read of could go to the grave and weep there, and yet the Lord pitied them. He pities all who weep, said Carlos. All good Christians he may, but though an old Christian, I was not a good one, for I thought it bitter hard that my candle should be quenched in a moment, like a wax taper when the procession is done. 
And it came often into my mind how the Almighty, or Our Lady, or the saints, could have helped me if they would. May they forgive me. It is hard to be religious. I do not think so. I suppose it is not hard to learn gentlemen who have been at the colleges. But how can simple men and women tell whether they are keeping all the commandments of God and Holy Church? It well may be that I had done something, or left something undone, whereby Our Lady was displeased. It is not Our Lady, but Our Lord Himself, who holds the keys of hell and of death. Said Carlos, gaining at the moment a new truth for his own heart. None enters the gates of death, as none shall come forth through them, save at his command. But go on, Dolores, and tell me, how did comfort come to you? Comfort never came to me, senor. But after a time there came a kind of numbness and hardness that helped me to live my life as if I cared for it. And your lady mother, God rest her soul, showed me wondrous kindness in my sorrow. It was then she took me to be her own maiden. She had me taught many things, such as reading and various cunning kinds of embroidery, that I might serve her with them, she said, but I well knew they were meant to turn my heart away from its own aching. I went with her to Seville. I could be glad for her, senor, that God had given her the good things he had denied to me. At last it came to be almost like joy to me to see the great deep love there was between your father and her. This was a degree of unselfishness beyond the comprehension of Carlos just then. He felt his own wound throb painfully and was not sorry to turn the conversation. Did my parents reside long in Seville? He asked. Not long, senor. Their life was a gay one, as became their rank and wealth. For, as your worship knows, your father had a noble estate then. But soon they both grew tired of the gay world. My lady ever loved the free mountains, and my lord, I scarce can tell what change passed over him. He lost his care for the tourney and the dance, and betook himself instead to study. Both were glad to withdraw to this quiet spot. Here your brother Don Juan was born, and for nigh a year afterwards no lord and lady could have led a happier, and at the same time more pious and orderly life than did your noble parents. The thoughtful eye of Carlos turned to the inscription on the window and kindled with a strange light. Was not this room my father's favorite place of study? He asked. It was, senor. Of course, the house was not then as it now is. Though simple enough, after the Seville palace with its fountains and marble statues, and doors grated with golden network, it was still a seemly dwelling place for a noble lord and lady. There was glass in all the windows then, though through neglect and carelessness it has been broken. Even your worship may remember how Don Juan sent an arrow through a quarrel pane in the west window one day. So we thought it best to remove the traces. My parents led a pious life, you say? Truly they did, senor. They were good and charitable to the poor, and they spent much of their time reading holy books, as you do now. Ay de me, what was wrong with them I know not, save that perhaps they were scarce careful enough to give holy church all her dues. And I used sometimes to wish that my lady would show more devotion to the blessed mother of God. But she felt it all, no doubt. Only it was not her way, nor my lord's either, to be forever running about on pilgrimage or offering wax candles, nor yet to keep the father confessor every instant with his ear to their lips. Carlos started, and turned an earnest inquiring gaze upon her. Did my mother ever read to you as I have done? He asked. She sometimes read me good words out of the breviary, senor. All thing went on thus until one day when a letter came from the emperor himself, as I believe, desiring your father to go to him, to Antwerp. 
The matter was to be kept very private, but my lady used to tell me everything. My lord thought he was to be sent on some secret mission where skill was needed, and perchance peril was to be met. For it was well known that he loved such affairs, and was dexterous in the management of them. So he parted cheerily from my lady, she standing at the gate yonder, and making little Don Juan kiss hands to him as he rode down the path. Woe for the poor babe that never saw his father's face again. And worse woe for the mother. But death heals all things, except sin. After three weeks or a month, more or less, two monks of St. Dominic rode to the gates one day. The younger stayed without in the hall with us, while the elder, a man of stern and stately presence, had private audience of my lady in this chamber where we sit now. A place of death it has seemed to me ever since. For the audience had not lasted long until I heard a cry. Such a cry! It rings in my ears even now. I hastened to my lady. She had swooned, and long, long was it before sense returned again. Do not keep looking at me, senor, with eyes so like hers, or I cannot tell you more. Did she speak? Did she reveal anything to you? Nothing, senor. During the days that followed, only things without meaning or connection, such as those in fever speak, or broken words of prayer, were on her lips. Until the very last, and then she was worn and weak, and could but receive the rites of the church, and whisper a few directions about the poor babes. She bade us give you the name you bear, since he had said that his next boy should be called for the great emperor. Then she prayed very earnestly, Lord, take him thyself, take him thyself. Dr. Marco, who was present, thought she meant the poor little newborn babe, supposing, and no wonder, that it would be better tended in heaven by Our Lady and the angels than here on earth. But I know it was not you she thought of. My poor mother, God rest her soul. Nay, I doubt not that now she rests in God. Carlos added softly. And so the curse fell on your house, senor, and in such sorrow were you born. Yet you grew up merry lads, you and Don Juan. Thanks to thy care and kindness, well-beloved and faithful nurse. But, Dolores, tell me truly, have you never heard anything further of, or from, my father? From him, never. Of him, that I believed, never. And what do you believe? Carlos asked eagerly. I know nothing, senor. I have heard all that your worship has heard, and no more. Do you think it is true, what we have all been told, of his death in the Indies? I know nothing, senor. Dolores repeated, with the air of a person determined to say nothing. But Carlos would not allow her to escape thus. Both had gone too far to leave the subject without probing it to its depths, and both felt instinctively that it was not likely again to be discussed between them. Laying his hand on her arm and looking steadily in her face, he asked, Dolores, are you sure my father is dead? Seemingly relieved by the form the question had taken, she met his gaze without flinching and answered in tones of evident sincerity, Sure as that I sit here, so help me God. After a long pause, she added as she rose to go, Signor Don Carlos, be not offended if I counsel you this once, since I held you a babe in my arms, and you will find none that loves you better, if a poor old woman may say so to a young and noble caballero. Say all you think to me, my dear and kind nurse. Then, senor, I say, leave vain thoughts and questions about your father's fate. There are no birds in last year's nests, and water that has run by will turn no mill. And I entreat of you to repeat the same to your noble brother, when you find opportunity. Look before you, senor, and not behind, and God's best blessings rest on you. 
Dolores turned to go, but turning back again stood irresolute. "'What is it, Dolores?' Carlos asked, hoping perhaps for some further glimmer of light upon that dark past from which she implored him to turn his thoughts. "'If it please you, Senor Don Carlos,' and she paused and hesitated. "'Can I do anything for you?' said Carlos, in a kind, encouraging tone. "'Ay, Senor, that you can. With your learning and your good book, surely you can tell me whether the soul of my poor Alfonso, dead on the battlefield without shrift or sacrament, has yet found rest with God?' Thus the true woman's heart, though so full of sympathy for others, still turned back to its own sorrow, which lay deepest of all. Carlos felt himself unexpectedly involved in a difficulty. "'My book tells me nothing on the subject,' he said, after some thought. "'But I am sure you may be comforted after all these years, during which you have diligently prayed and sought the church's prayers for him.' The long, eager gaze of her wistful eyes sassed mournfully. "'Is this all you can tell me?' But her lips only said, "'I thank your excellency,' as she withdrew. End of chapter 10